Yeah. 64% males? Yeah. That's what it said on, on um, anger or whatever we use these days. That's amazing. So, confirm or deny, listeners. 64% of you are males. Once upon a time, someone told us that our podcast didn't really seem like a guy thing. That's true. <laughs> that did happen. But we that's not what we made it for. No. So I just think it's an interesting data point. Ha ha ha. Sixty four percent. Um That's like a random number. Well how many does that should we look it up? What? The number? What? How many what? Our statistics. I don't know. That might be just disheartening. <laughs> it's not too late to start over if um we we don't like what we see. No one will ever know. Here, while you're doing that. <laughs> This is a place within. Ah. This week, we will get to the heart of our thoughts, feelings, and desires, where we trust we'll find the gospel and our need for it. Yup. That's what we do here. Sure is. I'm Christina. I'm Ashlyn. Um, I'm much closer to the mic right now than Ashlyn is. It's true. I don't know if I can get as close to the mic as you are without <laughs> kissing you. <laughs> so if you hear an imbalance, you guys, that's why. Um, wow, look at that. Looking at the wavelength. There really is a... Getting I'll used to help. being in the same state still, and it's been a year and a half. Yeah, it's That's true. really a little bit inexcusable. Um, what do we find? Oh, it's changed. <laughs> uh, 41% male. Oh, it's still good. Um, <laughs> 2% non-binary, 1% non-specified. Okay. Do the math for the rest. Wait, wait. <laughs> I'm confused. But anyway. All right. So this is neither here nor there. We're interested. Here's We're glad you're here, whoever you are. 2.1 out of the five people who listen to our podcast are males. Just kidding. Kind I of. don't know how to do math that quickly or at all. <laughs> I mean, I just made that up. Okay, guys. So, Let's listen. I was telling Ashlyn before we started about Chico's. And she was like, <laughs> we need to start this podcast. And I was like, that's true. Let's banter about Chico's. I was like, I'll tell you about Chico's on the podcast. <laughs> tell me about Chico's. I've just been really testifying to Chico's recently. <laughs> Um, what is Chico's? Chico's is a store, uh, a clothing store that has its, its main um, demographic, as in marketing, advertising, people who work there, everything. Women over 60, I would say. Really? I don't know. Not, you don't think maybe? so? So, okay. This is what I know about Chico's. Um, back in the day, they had a TV commercial where literally it was just some kind of glamorous housewife. In the only dialogue, it was kind of perfume commercial ask if you're familiar, um, where it's just like shots of people being glamorous and kind of looking at the camera with smoldery eyes and different luxury settings. And yeah, the only dialogue was, I like Chico's. And it was kind of like in this, you know, lowered larynx um, <laughs> sort of Ew. place. I like Chico's. But then went up at the end. Chico's. Hilarious. Kind of. And so that's what I know. And then I also know that Michael Phelps' mom, Debbie, a real American hero, uh, was a brand sponsor for Chico's while her son was winning lots and lots of gold medals. So that's what I know about Chico's. How old was she at the time? I mean, probably in her 50s. We can't be acting like Debbie is old. She's not. And I just I think of that about it <laughs> well, so often. According I to like Chico's. According to myitchytravelfeet.com, <laughs> <laughs> baby boomer women. Pack Chico's yeah. clothes for wrinkle-free clothing. So, that's to my point. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess- Chico's is what, like, the room mom who also worked, or used to work, right. would wear. 
What's a room mom? It's like the one that throws the parties for the class. Okay. Yeah, this model yeah, is much under sixty. Yeah. yeah. We're we're currently to to narrate on the Chico's website. Hold on. Hold on. We're gonna Did you guys know that White House Black Market is a sister company? I didn't until just now. Wow, look at that. Look at so Chico's you... off the rack. This is a big deal. I didn't really think that Chico's was like they high do end have enough a lot of younger women the... this. Yeah, they're this really season. trying to That's branch out. They've heard what you've said and they said, Christina's on the streets, we gotta get these younger models. Okay, okay, I think they've got a range. Because I I wanna say like when I was on their website a little while ago, and maybe their summer clothes are just a little more like older women-y looking. Because... Like retirement cruise kind of yeah. attire. I mean, this lady looks like she's in her 50s. But regardless. Okay, this is my point. It is geared towards older women. So <laughs> if the marketing has women in their 40s and 50s, odds are the, like, exclusively, okay? There are no young women, like, super young women in these in the marketing. Yeah, they're really trying to then they're, make the 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds feel yeah. like I'm relevant. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. So that's what's what's going on here, okay? The women who work at the Chico's or Park Meadows are, I want to say, definitely in their 50s, 60s, maybe 70s. Um, and I walk in there because... Park Meadows is a mall in Southern Colorado. Sorry. Not Southern Colorado. Southern Denver. It's epic. It really is. It's <laughs> like we would go on long trips there the whole 40 minutes from my house growing up going on. Fun times. So I um, I learned to go to Chico's for my mother, okay? I would go to Chico's with my mother. She would be shopping for herself. I pretty much would be like, this is not for me. But I would see the sales, okay? I would look at the sale rack and I'd be like, that's amazing. This thing was $100 and now it's 10 So I knew about this. She okay? loves a bargain. I do. And I remember the first time I tried on as like a 21-year-old a pair of jeans from Chico's. And I was like, why is this fitting my butt? What's going on? Why do these pants fit me? Women's clothes fit differently than teenager clothes. What's happening? But it's different. Ann Taylor, not so much. I mean, Ann Taylor, some, like, they used to, it's complicated. So but, like, eventually it just, it, it all depends. Saying, I like Chico's. I found myself wearing pants, many pants from Chico's. And did you say, I like Chico's? N- um, <laughs> I say, I love Chico's. You didn't say, I like Chico's. I never say, I like okay, Chico's. Great. I say, I love Chico's. Okay. She was not this. This in she's confirmed not the lady talking in the ad. I hope that he, that she goes finds this and gives me like a million dollars. Honestly, me too. <laughs> I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change the game for Chico's. Where I'm at with this is I'm excited for you. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for the people that are benefiting from this discovery because myself, as early as eighth grade, <laughs> was shopping at Dress Barn. Yep. And I was like, these clothes don't look like everyone else's clothes, but they are cute. Yeah. And throughout high school, that was feedback that I regularly got. It's like, Ashlyn, your clothes are cute. Your style is really unique. And you don't wear the same things as the rest of us. Because cool. I was wearing like adult lady clothing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure that my wardrobe was much more professional when I was 17 <laughs> than it was when I was 27. Uh, yeah. But that's just how it goes. It's kind of fun that a dress that I bought to wear to the Easter Vigil when I was in eighth grade is the dress that I wear to the Easter Vigil every single year. That's pretty cool. It's cool for me now that I fit into it. It was like kind of sad in eighth grade. But <laughs> <laughs> this is how we progressed. That this is, is so funny. The process of development. Oh my gosh. So yeah, dress barn is no longer, but I'm looking really? at my closet right now and I see many pieces and I'm grateful that some of those have been replaced by slightly more age appropriate things. 
That's amazing. But you know that like flowery <coughs> dress that looks like it was dipped in a nice bowl of tea? Yeah, it's lovely. Dress barn. Excellent. Thank so, you, dress barn. Um, yeah. Don't exclude clo- uh, shops that look like they're not hip enough for you, you guys. And once you get old, don't exclude shops that are look too hip for you. That's true. Why not mix it up? Wear something from Chico's and a scrunchie around your wrist. That's what I do all the time. Yeah. I love it. All the time. So oh. that's our brand. Ajos. <laughs> <laughs> Just multi-generational. <laughs> I would say it's true. I have a multi-generational aesthetic. So thank you, mom, for Chico's. Thank you, mom, for Dress Barn. Sorry that it didn't work out long term. Is it Glad- gone? Yeah, it's gone. It doesn't exist. When did anymore. that happen? Like a year ago? Oh, like two. Okay. I went to a dress barn in near my house in LA. I would go over once in a while. All right. Well, that was the Chico's part of this. That was our Chico's ad. Yeah. So, um, please use our code. <laughs> APWpod. Chico's.com. I wanna, okay. I do have to process something emotionally about all this. Okay. As I testify to Chico's, I'm not necessarily saying like everyone needs to go to Chico's because I, I think it is like a specific set of needs, yeah. you know? Um, and like not all the sizes are on sale all the time and like if it's not on sale it's not super feasible unless you have a lot of money and like at that point go somewhere else <laughs> Just yeah. I mean kind of shop the sale rack hopefully um, that's something that you do any establishment the thing is like that's not necessarily going to even work for everybody I don't see petite sizes there all the time I don't uh. see every set like whatever dress barn definitely did have a petite section <laughs> that's pretty well no Chico's does but it's not on well, the sale stop. rack all the time uh, no it is it's just not on the sale rack I understand yes um if your mom says so, let's go shopping maybe you take her to chico's oh definitely do that definitely do that <laughs> there was just a glint in her eye uh, that's so much fun i love going to chico's with my mom i haven't done that in a long time i'll have to take her next time she comes here this chico's is really epic and i would say the 41 percent of you who are male maybe your mom likes chico's <laughs> she probably does so if you're thinking what do i buy my mom for christmas maybe browse the sale rack there <laughs> chico's. ask your dad what your mom's size is yeah. Well, oh, at Chico's, though, it's different because they run from sizes triple zero to four. Get a gift receipt. <laughs> um, if your mom is like a size 10, she's like a one in Chico's. Oh, they do that special thing where yeah. it, it starts over again once you're curvy. Yeah. So you don't feel yeah. insulted by a double digit number. <laughs> and if you're in that 41% that's going, what? They think that? They're insulted by double digit numbers? My number is in the 30s. Uh, they're always <laughs> double digits. Um, because your sizes are actually the measurements of your body. My, my, waist, my waist is one inch wide. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but this is the thing I wanted to process oh, emotionally. Okay, great. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. So people are like, I need to go there. This is going to be amazing. I'm going to Chico's. And I'm like... Do not hold me accountable if you do not find okay, anything so for you at Chico's. It's not that serious of an endorsement. You cannot cancel her if it doesn't work yeah, out. Yeah. Like when you go and you see like clothes that look like your grandmother would wear, like here's the thing. You get the, the basics and then you – and they're high quality and they're on sale. And then you style them. You don't get the old I clothes. say get your basics from someplace for your target audience and have an accent piece. It's but, grandma chic. Okay, maybe a grandma. Sh- yeah, th- I almost did that, but I- they didn't have my size. There were some pretty cool jackets. Um, that's fair. If when they're really great, grandma chic. But well, we don't need to get into basics. So if ethics. you're <laughs> if you're a conventional dresser, that's good. If you're like, hey, what costume will I wear today? Think about dressing like a boomer lady, and <laughs> just see what it's like. 
but even that, that what that's I'm a getting little at, too expensive no to... my pants like my pants are regular pants and they come from chico's they look like i got them from like ann taylor yeah, right I you get know it. they're yeah. like my regular pants <laughs> chico chico's has regular pants for some girls <laughs> But we're not saying that it will work for everyone. It's just our opinion. This is our opinion. This is not an ad. My opinion is so that Chico's is underrated, and, and we understand that you now they probably won't pants. give us a million dollars since we've <laughs> said that they won't work for everyone. But you just have to have. That's an why eye you have to use our code and patience. I'm the kind of shopper who looks at every item, and it's kind of ridiculous. But that's I how it is. I'm the kind of shopper that loves loves the hunt. Yeah, you know, exactly. like I have something in my mind that I'd like to have, and I'll go anywhere to find it. Word. Um, and I, I eventually settle. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. That's how it is. Every once in a you're while, you're like, you I want some black chucks, and it's like, well, these mint green ones are on sale. <laughs> well, I guess I'll get those. <laughs> like, I want a pair of wide leg trousers with a pleated top. Pleated trousers, wide Dang. leg. And then I just went for some pleated trousers that are cropped at the ankle that don't fit that well. I gave up. That makes me tired. But other times, you think I would really like a plaid, wool, a-line skirt in some sort of fallish neutral color <laughs> and you walk into your favorite thrift store and that's exactly what you find Amen. in just your size and it's amazing and you didn't have to settle what a gift so as relatable as this banter has been <laughs> i love um, that we started this with 41 percent of you are male <laughs> <laughs> and then we promptly just said forget you no we never forgot you we think that you probably listened to part of this to gain some insights yeah, i just some female rem- remind everyone as i do every once in a while that we often, those of us who are podcast listeners and are women, we often listen to male podcasts and they'll talk about things that relate only to males and we think nothing of it. Okay? So just enjoy that experience. So thanks to the 41% of you that might be doing that right now. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. It's a very evolved thing for you to do. Oh, dear. <laughs> I um, knew you were going to react negatively to that. <laughs> I just am sick of hearing it all the time. Not from you, just in general. <laughs> No, it's just, yeah, anyway. Okay, well, that's not... <laughs> I never said that. <laughs> no, no, I'm... It, yeah, so I don't hear it all the time from Christina. I mean, the sort of rhetoric that says, if you agree with how I feel about the situation, you must be a better kind of person. Not just a good person, whatever that means, but clearly evolutionarily superior to other people that think differently than me. That's where we're at. We don't have to talk about it more today. It's tough. We, we're feeling it. Ooh, it's uncomfortable. Ooh. Oh, we all felt a little squished by that together. And now what are we going to talk about for real? Well, Ashlyn, I've discerned that I'm not mm. going to be doing this podcast with you anymore because I feel awkward. Tell me about your discernment. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> <laughs> what it sounds okay, like. Okay, I've changed my mind. I actually am going to do this podcast with you. So you decided and then you changed your decision. No, <laughs> just kidding. Yes. So the- that was my modeling that was our yes. skit. No. <laughs> and what what did you all take away from our skit? What stood out? <laughs> yeah, I can just imagine a group of children being absolutely silent and then one person being like, I, I was kind of confused. I can imagine a group of adults <laughs> being silent. Oh, they're, and, then, and they're scarier. And then someone saying, unmuting, and then saying, could you repeat the question? <laughs> Which is adult speak for, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Honestly. Um. <laughs> I, was, I was doing something entirely. I was on the Chico's website. <laughs> <laughs> something that I've done during a Zoom call before. 
Not a word Zoom call. And to be fair to everyone that just unmuted and asked us to repeat the question, it wasn't super clear. Like, that was confusing. That was confusing. So let's get to the point. Okay. We have been chatting occasionally for the last couple years. (laughs) Forever. Just kidding. But we have been talking about this a lot. Um, Language surrounding discernment and the process of discernment, decisions, all these things. Um, And some of those ideas have been crystallizing. So we kind of wanted to bring them here. So Ashlyn, can you speak to that a little more? Because you said it nicely earlier. Well, what I will say is that in the time of life that I I know I experienced, um, where an image of life in the church that is vibrant and colorful and alive um, becomes so, so attractive that you want to enter into it. And you realize that there's a whole set of words that are commonly used within that shining community of Christian discipleship and a desire you might have that I have humanly to belong to with that group that you find attractive means that you start to imitate the language. And you also realize that you, you understand what that language means, uh, that there's even greater beauty to the definition of the words. But one of those words I would say is discern. Mm-hmm. Uh, discern something that people who are pursuing holiness might say frequently because it's a really important part of the Christian life mm-hmm. is to actively discern because the point of the Christian life is to do the will of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and the will of God is not revealed by email um, or it's not frequently revealed in some talking cloud. You know, sometimes it has there's some biblical precedent. I tried to say a word there for that. Um, but commonly it's revealed through a process of discernment. Uh, it's a huge gift. But if we think discernment just means thinking about something, we're probably misusing the term. Or even praying about it, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Now you now you talk. Um. Yeah, so I think I'm thinking about a tendency that we can have to use discernment, like the language of discernment, meaning like I discerned that, um, almost as a, okay, actually I think I should go from personal experience first, just so that I'm not, it doesn't seem like I'm adding anyone. I learned this for myself um, after... I broke up with my boyfriend in college, who I'm now going to marry in three months. <laughs> that was like years ago that we broke up. Um, and I did that thing that you're never supposed to do where you say, you know, um, we're breaking up because because God told me to, you know, which is mm-hmm. another way of saying um, like another way of saying that. And a more common way of saying it these days is I discerned that God told me to break up with you. Okay. That might be possible, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, it, it happens quite often mm-hmm. that you are thinking about the relationship you're in. You should be discerning whether or not you should be in it. All right? Um, what happened with me in that conversation, I actually didn't have a reason to go to of why we should break up. I had a, I mean, yeah, I had all kinds of things going on that I'll probably talk about in a few months <laughs> on this podcast eventually. Um, but like, it's just not the topic right now. Um, I had a bunch of other things going on that I was having a lot of trouble naming, um, and I didn't understand, but I knew that something felt funny and I thought that that meant, and I was praying and I was praying about those things that felt funny, you know, and those things still felt funny while I was praying. Mm -hmm. All of that in my mind meant that God had told me, um, or had rather had not told me to stay in the relationship or something like that, you know? Um, and it was sort of this like wall, um, or, uh, like a a defense to say like 
And this is a now a decision that you can't touch because I came to it in a way that's like infallible. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's untouchable. Like exactly. Like yeah. you can say whatever you want, but I discerned it. And so it doesn't matter. And that's definitely what like he felt, you know, like mm-hmm. um, it was like, well, you know, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you about that. Like you said that to me mm-hmm. because yeah, if you have like a clear minded way of, well, there are many ways of looking at it, but one way of looking at it if you can sense that that's what's going on, you know, you're saying that to me because you made a decision that this is what you wanted to do Mm -hmm. and you don't want me to argue with it. And also Mm -hmm. probably because you Mm -hmm. believe that this is what God wants you to do. And that's, that's good. Um, but what I've learned over time, um, is that ultimately like the Lord does not want us to be like truly confused and do things that are like unreasonable, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, yes, he's going to lead us into things that don't make so much sense. And, you know, like a very tame version of that is like you have you're discerning between a job that like makes a lot of money mm-hmm. and a job where you're like doing more service. And, you know, that's, you don't have to pick the one that where you do more mm-hmm. service. You could like the Lord could be giving you an option or you're going to be choosing calling you into the one where you make more money. But let's just say that you are making that discernment and you have a desire for the one where you make less money and it's all like in alignment with the gospel. And you, maybe you did receive something privately in prayer that confirms mm-hmm. that and all these different things. All of that is in alignment and like the Lord is not leaving you to confuse to just be mm-hmm. like, do the thing that makes less sense. Mm-hmm. There's one of these or things. Or do the thing that's harder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. One of these things is harder. One of things make, these things makes less sense. Do that one. Mm-hmm. And I've given you the choice. Like I've given you the, the tool to figure it out by telling you that. Like he does use our reason mm-hmm. and so many other things. Um, so that's like one side of it. And the other part, I mean, there are a million parts, but I'll just say this last thing and then you can jump in. Um, I think that there's a lack of understanding that I used to have, and I'm just starting now to learn for myself mm-hmm. that like God does want me to make real decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants me to invite him into those decisions, but there are plenty of times where he is leaving me free, you know, mm-hmm. um, a hundred percent of the time he's me free. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, um, so I, I don't know how I want to put what I'm saying, like. I don't know. There are times where it's not this, like, I have a preference and you have to figure mm-hmm. out what it is. Right. I mean, and actually, I think usually it's not. I have a preference. You have to figure out what it is. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, it's it's shrouded in mystery. I, I mm-hmm. will not pretend to fully understand this. And I, I know that there are people who understand this much better than me. And I think it's important to acknowledge, not in order to discredit those people or even me, you know, like that we're in a process of journey of understanding what that means. And God is actually revealing it um, and in the in the business of that revelation to each of us. Um, but it's not something that like the course has to be completed. There's some prerequisite that you have to do. Like mm-hmm. he comes to be with you. And so yeah. I think that what we can miss out on that's fundamental about who we are because of how God made us, if we resign ourselves or appropriate the term discernment to be a, a trump card for something that we've decided Mm-hmm. Um, that we've decided in a place of prayer yeah. that um, we believe is pleasing to God. And so therefore we will call it discernment so that no one can argue with it mm-hmm. or what other, there's probably several other motivations that one would use to do that. Um, oh, what I think that that can start to cloud in our understanding is that we are always free. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Because then it, it makes this false reality that, yeah, God is up there 
holding this thing and saying, pick this, pick this, pick this. And it's really hard for us to see. He's like behind some sort of curtain holding up the thing that he wants us to choose. And we're in this really complicated process where we have to listen to the way that we feel about it in order to decide the thing that's right. And then he pulls down the curtain and he says, it was me. I picked that thing and you did it right. Or you're really unhappy or you don't feel peaceful anymore and you must have done it wrong. That's just not how it works. Right. Um, And so how does it work? Well, I mean, again, as, as friends together talking about this and not instructors on discernment, I think is the only way that we can talk about this, Mm -hmm. but I think it's valuable to do so. Um, That God's, given us our whole lives to draw us back to himself right that is what god wants he wants us to do his will which is to be with us for forever and so if we think that who god is and what he's trying to do with us is to craft some life for us that's going to make us really happy and that's what we're trying to figure out and that's what he's holding up behind this confusing curtain that's not actually what he's doing he's drawing us to himself right and so the answer to who should I date or who should I break up with is like, who's leading me closer to God. And that's why Ignatius starts with the first rule and principle and not just the rules of discernment, which Mm -hmm. is that created things are good insofar as they help us to praise reverence and serve God Mm -hmm. and evil insofar as they, Mm -hmm. I mean, I should have just looked it up and read it, but yeah. Paraphrase. That's the first rule and principle. Yeah. But even that I think can be misunderstood. Right. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe you'll disagree with this, but like, like say I'm thinking about a relationship with a boyfriend and yeah, like we sin together at Mm -hmm. some point. Um, and I'm faced with that first rule and principle Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, well, you know, it's clear this relationship is a source of sin in my life. Mm -hmm. And so it has to end. Um, there's like, first of all, regardless, like having the detachment to be able to make that decision is super important. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you're like arguing with it at all costs, I think that's already like a a first thing that the Lord wants to like clear out. Um, but like, isn't there a kind of a fundamentalism to say that? Well, I think that within this example is where we can maybe identify where discernment is. So, um, what I thought was so helpful and I'd never heard it put so succinctly as I did this summer, uh, a class I was sitting in, in on at focus training where this lovely, Argentinian priest in a lovely accent was saying discerning and deciding are different and that was kind of what we were joking in our skit earlier mm-hmm. they um discernment leads to decision but it is a different thing mm-hmm. than deciding so what what is discernment then if it's not the actual election itself that's the Ignatian term for it the decision you know the discernment is what informs that decision the way that I'm mm-hmm. understanding and reflecting on what is actually happening to be able to make a good wise decision mm-hmm. to the best of my ability right and my ability will grow over time to make good decisions as I grow in the virtue of pr- prudence. So wow. um, in that example where discernment would come in is actually, is it possible for my boyfriend and I not to repeat that bad action? I need to identify mm-hmm. the fruit of this thing as bad and sinful, mm-hmm. right? And then as I'm looking at the relationship to say, is this the only thing possible in this relationship? Right. Um, and then I have to seek to understand if that's true or not, right? With great reverence for my own soul and prudence, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To not just throw myself into sin to see if I can resist it. Mm-hmm. Um, but with proper boundaries, what is the fruit of this relationship? Right. Um, and so kind of seeing everything that's happening in our lives and seeing it 
with God in participation with him and through his eyes um, and noticing using, I mean, that's a, that's a big task to do, right? So then what are the things? What is actually happening in my life? You can't discern or decide something that isn't happening. What actually is happening? Uh, what has he allowed in divine providence or provided? I mean, he is always providing. That's a confusing thing, but clarify if you think we need to. Um, how is he working within me? What are the promptings of the Holy Spirit that I'm sensing? And what is the advice that I'm getting from wise people in my life, wise and prudent people in my life. So it's like that part of discernment that's really important of when I look and reflect on my day, pray and examine, I'm paying attention to the Holy Spirit within me um, and the different movements that are happening interiorly. And I think to understand what those are, we need to read about them and we need to study them. I think the discernment of spirits by Father Timothy Gallagher is a great thing to read in order to hear the wisdom of the church and what that experience is like. But then we take all that data and let it inform a decision. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, I had never heard that distinction before. Um, and I think that's really helpful. Um, the distinction between decision and and discernment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it, it like sanctifies sort of some of the things that I've been thinking. I I think I knew that there was like a, I mean, I, I not, I think, I know there's a relationship, a deep relationship between discernment and decision. Um, but like, yeah, in my mind, I think I was thinking about a lot of the things that either I have, um, identified as discernment or I've heard identified as discernment um and sort of like recognized that really what was happening was like in prayer just sort of sharing with the Lord the desires on my heart the the circumstances what I want what's available mm-hmm. um what you know his word means to me in a particular moment you know and like putting all those things together um and making a choice out of it yeah mm-hmm. um yeah and to kind of have that whole process sanctified I think like Mm -hmm. to recognize that that is the process of discernment like that's really powerful you know um yeah and I think that we we can feel like oh well if it was just a decision then like that was all me and it's just like well no like as soon as we invite the Lord into Mm -hmm. it he is going to be there period Mm -hmm. you know um yeah like we can resist it but um especially like you told me this a long time ago decisions that we make in goodwill um like the Lord is going to honor in providence, you know? Mm-hmm. And in his mercy, even the ones that we make an ill will and repent of, yep. he still can bless and make better than it would have been, yep. you know? And yep. that is just is really a mystery cool. of God's mercy. Yeah. So I cool. am so grateful for this painful experience that I had in my life where I was needing to make a decision about what I was going to do for work. Um, and yeah, that began with recognizing that I wanted to leave my current job. And starting to apply for other jobs. And there was a job that I really thought would be super cool and I would love to do and would keep me in the city where I wanted to live. And I interviewed for that job. And so part of discerning, it wasn't deciding, right? Like part of discerning whether or not I was going to do that instead of some of the offers that were being made to me elsewhere was to interview for the job and to see if I got it and I didn't get it. So that wasn't God's will for my life, right? Yes. And then This is like so good. I do that too. I was interviewing... For other jobs, so I knew it wasn't option one. Um, and it was really beautiful that Grace in that moment was like, okay, that wasn't actually option one. Um, that wasn't that any of my feelings or attractions for that position were wrong. And something that was really cool in that process was that kind of knew in the interview that I wasn't going to get it. That doesn't happen every single time. But then there have been other jobs where, like, Looks I, at me. <laughs> I was interviewing for something that I thought that I wanted to do and during the process of the interview as much as I appreciated the role Mm -hmm. I recognized that I 
didn't think that I wanted to do it. Yeah. And so plan to say no if it was offered to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as that continued, I had two offers. Um, one that looked really attractive and one that looked really hard. <laughs> and so, okay, we're just going to use the example for what it is. It's my life. Um, <laughs> both had pros and cons. Is more realistic, actually. Both had significant pros and cons. And I got to meet with a spiritual director and talk through, hey, one of the things that really makes me unattracted to the one that I was just saying was less attractive is this fear that I have, you know, or this pressure that I feel yes. from this relationship. Um, and part of the thing that makes this other thing more attractive to me is that the absence of that difficult relationship in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were able to talk those things out and see that those were circumstances and not movements of the Holy Spirit, right? Right. So I was feeling uncomfortable about one of the options and it was because of something in me that was not spiritual right i mean also because of a circumstance yeah that may or may not have been Mm -hmm. a good thing right right right. and we were able to see that while that was difficult it wasn't inherently disordered okay and then my spiritual director said something so loving it was so beautiful uh and we had prayed we're in a place of prayer um meditated on the magnificat that was beautiful he's like ashlyn like pray about what it would be like for your life to magnify the lord you know, and then said, okay, you have two good options. Ask God, which would be a greater gift to him. And it rationally, just with the information could have been either of those things, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I had a very strong interior invitation to one over the other yeah. as a response to which would be more generous to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I was able to pick it and I was not joyful <laughs> after that, mm-hmm. but it's led to like, a lot of beauty and goodness. And so I'm not like, I'm just this great poster child for discernment, but I learned so much of that experience. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. Um, yeah. And I think like exactly identifying the circumstances, I think that it's also possible in that to, I mean, at, well, actually before I get there, um, it's interesting because like, yeah, when I was discerning and deciding um, both of those things, when I was doing that with uh, deciding to come here or to stay in California, mm-hmm. it was like, I've said this before on this podcast, like it was very much a place of, or, yeah, coming to a realization that also like you, there were two good options. Mm-hmm. Um, and that if I were to choose the option of coming here and studying theology, it was and actually receiving a mm-hmm. gift um, from the Lord. And, mm-hmm. and yes, like in a certain sense, but no, I mean, no, right now it's more receiving. <laughs> I don't do a lot. For, uh, anyways, but <laughs> yeah, so it's receiving. And, mm-hmm. um, and like the experience of sort of like identifying that and then like acknowledging that with the Lord, like, mm-hmm. oh, like, is this something that like you're giving to me or that like... I can receive to you either that you want to give to me or like, mm-hmm. if I want it, you want to give it to me. I was just like, I was so overjoyed at that like moment of realization, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I don't know. It was just a moment where I was like, yeah, like why wouldn't I receive this? And, mm-hmm. and that also like, I mean, I don't know, just like a, another sort of angle a similar, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know, less <laughs> crossy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, yeah. It's like what God wants to give us through the nativity and the cross yeah you know um ultimately is himself right yeah it's all a gift and what he wants to give is the sharing in his life and so it's like um 
yeah, no, I think that God wants to give me comfort in this time. Well, what kind of comfort, you know, is it a temporal comfort? Yeah. Um, don't think that really makes a lot of sense in light of the gospels. Right. Um, and so we don't want to discern in some place, um, that disagrees with scripture, Mm -hmm. you know, God's never going to tell us something Mm -hmm. that contradicts his word. Right. Um, and so as this is like complicated, he's in the midst of it, but it's difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that we have to learn how to do and that he wants to teach us through both. Yeah. Private revelation and very clear instruction yeah. that is not going to change from the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's also reasonable to identify that like, you know, I don't know, some more basic things like, and I think these are not as hard and fast as like, he's literally not going to con- contradict his word and his law. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, he wants us to use our reason and our common mm-hmm. sense and to like make safe choices. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, if I come to you and I tell you that I want to make a choice that's unsafe, like it's not that the, it's utterly impossible mm-hmm. that the Lord is saying, you know, go live in a tent on the side of the road. Like that's, it's possible. But like, as my friend, I would expect mm-hmm. you to, to question me mm-hmm. big time. It's like, yeah. I mean, like we should study the lives of the saints and, scripture and the teachings of the church to inform our discernment not to be some recipe for holiness yes you know and it's so beautiful the way that god teaches that when he puts something on our heart or calls us to something there's a familiarity to it when we've immersed ourselves in his life in the church right Mm -hmm. um and so I don't want to reach too far here or say this will happen. That's not what I'm saying right now. But like if I was given some extraordinary call and I was able to recognize in the life of a saint, a similar call kind of after the fact, right? Like, okay, does this make sense that this could be coming from God? Has he done this before? You know, I guess is Mm -hmm. the question. Well, yeah, but I think at the same time, like, I don't know, like how, I mean, yeah, I guess. So I want to use St. Francis as an example, maybe Mm -hmm. like the call like at that time, was there an opportunity to enter into the life that St. Francis started to build, you know? Right. But like, so what I'm getting at is like, so let's say that I say to you, like, I feel this call to blah, blah, blah. It's like, you're like, whoa, okay. Well, have you thought about the Franciscans? You know what I mean? Rather than like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, why don't you just, you know, sell all your things and go into the desert by yourself? It's like, that was novel in the fourth. This is now somebody else. This is not the same person anymore. That was novel in the fourth century mm-hmm. and it had to happen, you know? Yeah. But was it novel if Jesus did it? Is John the Baptist before him? No. I mean, that's right. Fine. It's not new. No. But at the same time, like, so like, well, what are you getting at? So I'm saying that like, I don't want to tread on territory where I don't belong, but it's like when we're coming to know God in our lives and he calls us to do something and we recognize that he's done that before. I think that that has to stay a little bit broad. But, you know, St. Anthony of the desert experiencing this call into the desert sees before him mm-hmm. John the Baptist and Jesus doing the same thing. Right, right, thing. right. And it's, it's literally an imitation of yeah. what scripture said. And it's like, go into the desert and cut off your head, St. Anthony. <laughs> that doesn't make as much sense. No. Right? Right. Um, yeah. So even in that, like, you know, St. Anthony, in circumstances, in prayer and all these things, um, believes that this is the Lord calling him and then mm-hmm. decides, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I, I bet there's a great humility about it too, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think St. Francis too, you know, like having opposition in the choices, mm-hmm. um, but being able to kind of be like, mm-hmm. mm. I, 
I don't know. I just, I kind of doubt it was like this, like, well, I'm right. And yeah, you guys are bothering me. <laughs> if well, I'm more like, you know, like who knows, but this, like I've made this decision mm-hmm. I need to go do it. Um, and probably if there was somebody who is a, um, a, like a, a, a wise mentor who said, don't mm-hmm. do that. I bet they would have obeyed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, somebody yeah. who like knew the Lord and was a wise, mm-hmm. wise mentor. Well, and in places of our, our poverty where you might be looking around you and going, I don't know who that person is. And I am so frustrated at my poverty. Like I, I can't do any of these things. Um, be not afraid, you know, like the Lord draws near and understands our circumstances well. But I think a real attachment that can form, um, in confusions about discernment is that what discernment will guarantee you is some sort of absolute clarity that you did it right. Yeah. Right. And that's not the deal. No. Um, actually discernment and then decision and even examination of what happened is drawing us in right to the life of God, which is a life of faith. Yes. Um, and the Lord draws us in through Mm -hmm. that gift of faith. Um, and so the fact that I've decided I've desired to do it well, and I don't have some sort of confirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, and even any confirmation that I do receive could be subject to doubt, requires faith. Mm-hmm. But that faith, I think it, it's it's uh, reducing it to say that that faith is like, you know, you're failing in faith if you are. I don't know how to put it because it's not the same as like questioning. Oh, like or like regretting, you know. Yeah, I think it is maybe a, a struggle in faith to be like the Lord called me here. And, you know, I'm, uh, and I was wrong. Like I, I, he didn't call me here and, and everything's ruined, you know, like well, that is yeah. a struggle on faith. But to say like, I believe the Lord called me to do this. I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but it's going to be fine. Yeah. That is like, I think that's so important. A hundred percent. And in that like place of struggle, I'd be even like, did I do it right? You know, is exactly where the, truly what the gift is. Yeah. Comes in. It's and so important. W- when we recognize like, oh, I am struggling right now. I'm, I'm in troubled waters. I'm, I'm falling. I'm failing to put our eyes on Jesus and say, I trust in you. Yeah. You know? Um, and I mean, this gets more into the rules of discernment that I don't think we need to get into, but like I'm imagining St. Anthony actually getting terrorized by demons, which he did mm-hmm. in the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Getting terrorized by demons equals desolation. Mm-hmm. So not making a change. I mean, that was before the yeah. rules of discernment were written, but there's some principles that are beautiful there. But like, even to say like, Lord, you haven't abandoned me. Like my enemy encamps around me literally right yeah. now. And you have not abandoned me. And that's yeah. true. Regardless of how wretched I feel in this place of torment. Um, and I might've done it wrong, but you haven't sent this demon to be a sign because that's not who you are, you know? Right. Um, and you didn't like fail to protect me from the demon because like, because I did, I did it wrong. It wrong. <laughs> right. You're mad at me now. Yeah. He, like in that place, he is just as near. Yes. Yep. Awesome. And yeah. So. Yeah. And I think that's part of why it's like so important that, I don't know, I'm like starting to train myself not to use that like trump card mm-hmm. because I think that trump card of like, um, I discerned this, don't question it. Mm-hmm. Um, it does kind of like rest in this place of, I have to have confidence in, or certain, I, I think confidence is okay, but. I have to have absolute certainty that I did this right um, is like the, for me, that's where that desire to like use language like that comes from. 
um, not usually, but, I, but to to keep people from questioning my choices. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. To try to attain for yourself that stamp of confirmation. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, both, yeah, for myself to put it out to the world. Oh, I don't care, whatever. Like either way, it's mm-hmm. actually going to be a hindrance to my. Mm having the faith that comes from mm-hmm. um, or, or growing in the faith and right. receiving the faith that comes from saying like I made this decision um, in in goodwill in prayer with the Lord you mm-hmm. know and um, and I trust and I trust him I trust that it's going to be good and it's like, <laughs> I mean we don't need to wait until we have a huge decision on our hands to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit because uh, he wants to inform us and lead us and guide us all the time in all the things that we're doing Um and in my life, it's like happening right now, um, when I'm talking with someone or sharing and just sharing from the heart, sharing, like telling them the truth to the best of my knowledge of it, you know, but also listening of, should I say that? And questioning, you know, I, I want to share this story. I want to give this example. Should I? Right. You know, and right. like, and asking for that invitation. And sometimes there's no clarity there. And then I just make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um but then not going, oh, and by the way, guy, God told me to tell you that. Right. You know, I think it helps us just stay simple. Yeah. Um, and that's not to, like, take credit away from God or, like, put that honor on ourselves. If that's an, our intention, that we probably should give glory to God. But if our intention is to be simple and humble. And let God in truth speak for himself. Yeah. You know? And trust that he actually wants to, in this moment, use me to do that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it, it can be in, in a certain relationship, in certain relationships and in certain conversations, you see that the thing that you decided to say in, like, is not being taken seriously or mm-hmm. something, like, can share a bit more about why. But again, like, yeah, to, it's, it is almost that trump card again to be mm-hmm. like, you know, the Lord told me to say that. Say that I probably you. would wait until someone said, why did you say that? that right. just made such a big difference in my life. Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if they, even if I'm unsure of something, I'll say if I'm, yeah, not sure, take this with a grain of salt or, you yeah. know, take this or leave it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think and not expect, even if I was sure it came from God, that they had to yeah. receive it. Right. Yeah. And in that, like, I think it's really important to recognize that that like decision, that's, that's a question of prudence, you know, and that's mm-hmm. something that the Holy Spirit acts in, um, as he does in all the virtues, um, because they're gifts. And like, I don't know, like Teresa of Avila talks about being more ready to receive the will of God through like providence and mm-hmm. all these things rather than through private judgment, not that mm-hmm. or, or private prayer. Yep. It's not that it's impossible, but it's just like she really warns against it because there's so many factors. And if we really do recognize our brokenness and our, and our, um, our simpleness, mm-hmm. we're going to recognize that the Lord comes to us in that. And like, he does often make things yeah. quite simple. hundred percent. Um, yeah, gosh. Wow. I mean, as Americans, it's really, really hard to do. Were you just about to say something? I was thinking, but you go ahead. Um, because it's pretty intensely ingrained into our worldview that we're supposed to make our life. Yes. And eventually our reality for ourselves is where that leads, you know? And it should be like wildly happy. And if yeah. you did it right, it will right. be wildly happy. And, and that you fix it if it's not. It's your job. Yeah. And so um, if someone tells you to do something they're taking your job away from you Mm. um and they're actually violating you because that was something that belonged to you and was your possession right um but if you're leading people take your responsibility to them very seriously you know to give them what they're due yeah 
so kind of fragmented. If you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, tomorrow is St. Teresa's feast day. Woo-hoo. Get ready to party. Um, yeah, like she she talks seriously about obedience and like mm-hmm. being willing to accept the will of God through obedience, mm-hmm. um, which is something that we really struggle with. Like, you know, we're quick, I think at least at first, before we learn that we should not do this, we're quick to be like, you know, somebody tells us, somebody who's an authority, um, some kind of spiritual authority that mm-hmm. we know that the Lord has a desire for us to take seriously, tells us something that we don't want to do. And it's like, or even that we thought in prayer that the Lord didn't want us to do. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, that's not what the Lord wants me to do, so I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. But the saints, as a, in, tra- in their tradition, tell us something else. Mm-hmm. At Dr. Scott Heffelfinger, for always reminding us of that. He likes to talk mm-hmm. about that, and that's it. Yeah. I just love, I mean, God gives us all of reality <laughs> um, to discern with. And if there's something that it's like, I really have a desire for this, but it seems like an impossibility to me. Yeah. You can ask the question, is it actually impossible? Yep. You know, and investigate and try to take action on it and see what happens. Uh, or even if it is a possibility for you to be called to something, to discern by actually taking action and seeing if God closes that door in your face or gives you, you know, like... I mean, I, I am in the business of saying this a lot to people that are discerning a, a commitment that they don't have to decide that they're going to do it before they take any action on it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to decide that you want the job and that God's calling you to the job yeah. before you apply for the job. Amen. It's actually through applying. I totally agree. That he'll make that known. Yeah. Or give you the opportunity to decide. Yeah. Amen. I mean, you're still the one deciding, even amen, if he's the one making you know. I'm going to sneeze. Oh, gosh. Bless you. It didn't. That was the tiniest sneeze. Oh, that's how I sneeze because I'm so cute. <laughs> it so, wasn't even, even registered on the mic. Um, I think I think we need to stop. We did what we did, we're gonna do today. Yes. Okay. All right. We're done. That's it. <laughs> that's all. Good night. Um. Okay. The thing I want to share that is, like, whoa. okay so that's a new workshop title my like whoa for this week is um i learned about in second chronicles 28 there's a story about um the judeans after the um split between the northern and southern kingdom the kingdom of judah is attacked by the kingdom by the northern kingdom and uh which is like the samaritans um etc and others um, and they're like left, you know, wounded and out to dry and taken captive and all this stuff. And, um, this prophet shows up at Samaria and he's like, Hey, don't take those captives. Cause guess what? They're your kin and you guys already have a lot of guilt. So let's not do this. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of the elders take him seriously. And they're like, yeah, we have a lot of guilt on our hands, you guys. And so then they're like, yeah, we're not going to do this. And they, a bunch of Samaritans go back out to the field and they bind up the wounds of the jews they're just being good again (laughs) you don't say real life good samaritans they're the original good samaritans not even just in a parable how cool is that That so good and so jesus telling the whole good samaritan story and it's there's a little like boop beep boop beep boop this actually happened y'all i didn't make it up i didn't know that isn't that cool I'm so glad it was a good story, even if you didn't know that stuff, and but it's even better now. I've also been percolating in my head other connections within that, and the one that makes the most clear sense that I have to ask my teacher about other ones, but they do, like, a bunch of the works of mercy that Jesus talks about in Matthew mm-hmm. 25 is, like, what the Samaritans are doing for the wow. the Jews in that moment. 
And then they take them into Jerusalem. And then they go back to Samaria. Y'all. The prodigal son also is a son of the father who goes into a faraway land. Ooh, what's up? Again, like, he's not he's not making up new stories here. I'm weeping. Okay. I love God. <laughs> I love God. Um, Me too. It's been a good couple of weeks, y'all. Um, just in this difficult spot where I find myself regularly, which is either, like, really shallow or, like, deep, you know? Um, I don't know where I want to play today. It's shallow. <laughs> you were deep for a long time. Um, I made this chicken last night <laughs> and I was just sitting there eating my dinner and it was like really late. I had a long day. And so I was like, knew that I needed to make and wanted to make this dish. I didn't need to use the stuff. Made this chicken and I just took a bite of it. And I was like, this is so good. That's hard with chicken. And there's, and then I took another bite again and I was being so dramatic, but I really couldn't help it. I like just audibly was like, mm! <laughs> because it tasted so good. So an interesting technique of soaking the chicken in milk for like 30 minutes. That's so strange. <laughs> and then cooking it. That's hilarious. It was delicious. Delicious. Um, second place is Jurgen from this season of great british bake-off he's maybe my favorite bake-off contestant that's ever been he's just dear and darling so um jurgen and chicken do you think he's gonna win i hope so it's we're in you know episode three but he got star baker twice so far <gasps> stop baker. so either he's gonna peak too soon or he's really in it for the long haul yeah and he's just got these fluffy eyebrows so with that this has been a place within thanks for coming you are nice. Yes. Yeah. If you're new to the podcast, we thank you for being here. And um, we invite you to like our stuff whenever we post it. <laughs> um, and also to uh, follow us, which is really what we're asking, uh, at A Place Within Podcast. Um, and you can also contact us at apwpodcast.gmail.com. You sure can. Uh, we post every other week. We do that. And uh some facts. Thanks for, thank you for being here today. Hey, you nice, keep going. <laughs>